0: That was wonderful singing, wasn't it? Amen. I bet there's a lot of curling irons that go on in that house. I'm telling you. Now, not for the preacher. I don't think he needs one. He's quick catching up with me. You know that? That's wonderful. Boy, it is a joy to be here. I have sure enjoyed my time uh, in Tennessee, but especially at this church. Uh, I appreciate your kindness to me and being so gracious And I'm looking forward to our next days together. I hope you'll be part of it. I really think it's important. God marks these times off. And they're not just meetings. They're on purpose. And God wants to use them in our lives. God wants to teach us some things and uh, remind us of some things and challenge us about some things. So I pray that you'll mark it off on your calendar. It's just uh, today, Monday, and Tuesday but I believe God could really use it if we'll have open hearts and open minds to him. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. I want to try to be an encouragement to you today, and I want to speak for a few moments just on this simple thought, the faithfulness of our God. The faithfulness of our God. Notice with me, Psalm 89, let's begin reading in verse 1. Pardon me. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations, Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty? can be likened unto the Lord. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we are gathered here today because we're needy people. And we need your Holy Spirit to teach us. And so I pray that you would take these minutes that we have. Holy Spirit, our hearts are open and I pray that you would take your word and teach it to us as we need, help us to see truth that will bring our lives into line where you want them to be and bring glory to you. I pray that you would encourage people today, that you would instruct people today And I pray that you'd convict and challenge us today. Lord, I pray that we would be listening to you, and I pray that we would respond. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and one of the highest traits, maybe one of the greatest Christian virtues in my mind, is the virtue of faithfulness. I, I told the folks at the... Uh, sessions on home and marriage yesterday. That um, I love couples who have been married for a long time. I used to listen to a radio broadcast. Many of you may know the name of Paul Harvey, and and uh, Mr. Harvey had that daily broadcast. And once a week, he would have what he called the Tournament of Roses. And in that Tournament of Roses, he would talk about a couple. Uh, somewhere who had been married 60, 70 uh, years. I think the longest on his broadcast I ever heard about was 76 years. And I was telling folks yesterday, and I I went back and looked it up. I got it wrong yesterday. Uh, The couple that I mentioned yesterday were D.W. and Willie Williams. And they had been married in Asheboro, North Carolina for 82 years. Imagine that, 82 years and their church was hosting a celebration for him, and they asked D.W., they said, now, what's the secret to being married for 82 years? And I loved his answer, he's 101, 102 years old, and he simply said, well, you keep Christ right in the middle of it. And I thought, boy, you're right, sir, you have got it. I love faithful Sunday school teachers, don't you? I love preachers who have been at it for a long time. I I just love people who stay at it. I think the greatest crown given in heaven will be to anybody who has taught junior boys for 40 years. That's got to be worth the biggest crown in heaven. Amen? But you know, no matter how much we talk about faithfulness of men, and I appreciate it and I mean it, it's a wonderful virtue. The truth is, all of it is just a reflection of God's faithfulness to us. There is no one who is more faithful than our God. And when we come to Psalm 89, we discover that. I want you to notice a few things about Psalm 89. I I don't know if your Bible does, but my Bible has titles for Psalms. And mine says that Psalm 89 is a masculine of Ethan the Ezraite. Now, Right away, that word masculine tells us something. That just simply means that it is a song or a poem that is written for the purpose of teaching, of instructing. So this poem is written to instruct us. Now when I see that name Ethan the Ezraite, I know something about him. I know that because he is an Ezraite, that's his clan, he is from the tribe of Levi. And so Psalm 89 is a psalm written to instruct and it's written by a member of the tribe of Levi whose whole purpose in life was to minister in the temple and be priests and also to take care of the word of God, to copy the word of God, to study the word of God, to read the word of God. Now, not only that, but I know some things about Ethan. I won't take the time to turn there, but if we had time to look at 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 17, we would see that Ethan is compared to Solomon in the matters of wisdom. Now, it doesn't say that Ethan is as wise as Solomon, but I'd suggest to you, if you make the same verse as Solomon, you're a pretty wise guy. And so here we have Ethan who is... Uh, a Levite writing a psalm that instructs and then I notice this, that in the first eight verses I read this phrase four times. Look in verse one. Thy faithfulness to all generations. Look in verse two. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish. Look at verse five. Thy faithfulness Also in the congregation of the saints. Look at verse 8. Or to thy faithfulness round about thee. And so, here's a psalm written to instruct by a Levite who is a very wise man. By the way, I looked up the name Ethan. You know what it means? Permanent. Constant. So here's Ethan writing this psalm, and he's writing it to instruct us, and though I'm not the brightest bulb in the package, when you talk about thy faithfulness four times in the first eight verses, I get it, this is a psalm to instruct God's people about this fact, God is faithful. Now I could understand it if this psalm was written when David was the king. Because David was the sweet singer of Israel. David was the man who was a man after God's own heart. David, so many victories. And and I could understand as that kingdom was growing, the people would see and they would understand, hey, our God is faithful. But it wasn't written when David was king. I could even understand it if it was written when Solomon was the king. Because under Solomon, boy, the cities were built and and the the borders were pushed to the broadest they had ever been and libraries and, and great things were being done. But it wasn't written when Solomon was king. You know when it was written? After Solomon's death, when his son Rehoboam became king and he so unwisely took the counsel of young men and refused the counsel of the elders who wanted him to reduce the burden on the people of Israel and that they would love him and serve him he turned away that counsel heeded the counsel of young men and increased the burden on the people and the kingdom was split Jeroboam came back and took 10 tribes moved them north and they became known as Samaria or Israel and here's the great kingdom of David and Solomon now under Rehoboam just two tribes Judah and Benjamin known as Judah and it's in that time when everything seems to be lost, when everything seems to be gone and destroyed, that God speaks into Ethan's heart. Ethan, I want you to remind my people that even when it seems like everything is gone, I have not forgotten one promise, and I am faithful to my people. I don't know if you've noticed it, but the world's had a tough year. man. I'm telling you, I, things have changed in our country. We've gone through a pandemic. We've gone through an election that is certainly having some consequences. Things are upheaval in economy and, and uh, different and changing and all of this. And, and I want this morning, I want to remind you of something that not one thing man has done in the last year negates one promise God has made to his people. And in the midst of this world where we can feel like everything is gone, everything is turned upside down, our God is imminently faithful to his people. Now, It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to say, okay, since our God is faithful, what does that mean for me? Because my God is faithful to me, even in this shattered world, what does that mean that I ought to be? And that's what I want to concentrate on. Let me give you several things that ought to be true in our life because it is true that our God is faithful. Here's number one. Because our God is faithful to us, God's people ought to celebrate God's faithfulness. God's people ought to celebrate God's faithfulness. Look back at verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Somebody ought to write a song like that. Oh, that's right. They did, they have. We can be so quick to grumble and complain, can't we? In all that God has done for us as individuals, as all that God has done for this church, there are days when out of our mouths God does not hear praise, God does not hear gratitude. Instead, God hears grumbling. More of what we don't have, more of what we want, more of what we think we should have. There was a time in Numbers chapter 11 where the people of Israel were in the wilderness where they were wandering for 40 years. I want to remind you in that wilderness, it is a real wilderness. I mean, in the, the, the desert of Sinai, life cannot be supported by what is there. There, there wasn't water for their flocks. There wasn't any ground they could grow their food on. And yet every day of those 40 years, God supplied something called manna. The Bible says it was a beautiful color as of the coriander. It had the taste of fresh oil. Every morning it was there and they gathered it for that day and it sustained them. Hey, not only did it sustain them, it was good for them and tasted good And out of nothing God provided it. And out of nothing God provided water. And their shoes never wore out. And their clothes never wore out. And every day in a place that could not sustain life, For 30 days they lived for 40 years and never missed a meal and never went without water when it was needed and never needed a change of clothes and never suffered at all. And then in that day when they looked up to God they said all we have is this white bread. And with a complaining spirit to a good and giving God, they grumbled. And you know what? God didn't think it was innocent. And God took it serious. You know what we do? We grumble and complain. And we're the most blessed people on the face of the earth, and we are the most blessed generation the earth has ever known. Look where you are. Look at this place. Look at you. And we fuss and we grumble. And we can't understand why people are not attracted to our God and why people don't want what we have. Hey, listen to us. We fuss about everything. We fuss if the preacher does. We fuss if he don't. We fuss about the color. We fuss about the rain. We fuss and fuss when we are the most blessed people on earth. Instead of hearing from our mouth praise, God hears grumbling. I think what God ought to hear is this. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Even when I'm supposed to go fishing and it rains. Even when I wanted to go to Bristol and see that mud race, but it's too muddy. Even when life don't go my way, you get the point. You know what people would be attracted to? People who have a positive spirit about their God. People who praise their God instead of fuss about their life. Hey, may God remind us today that he is ever faithful to us. And regardless of some momentary difficult circumstances, he is to be praised. Hey, here's number two. Our faith can rest on God's faithfulness. I want you to notice with me verse two. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever, thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Boy, there's a lot of things that we cannot count on in this world. Men disappoint us. Times change, things change. It just seems like everything is always moving. Nothing stays the same. I heard a mother and she was being kind and and serious and and, and wasn't being sinful in it. She looked at her little baby and said, oh, I just wish you could stay like this. That's because she had known teenagers and she just wanted her to stay like this. And I get it. Sometimes we just get in a good place of life and we just want it to stop. We just want it to stop moving. We just want it to be here now like it is. This is what I like. This is what I'm comfortable. This is what I want. But it keeps moving. I have not always been this old. I've not always had knees that hurt this bad. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you, you're on that journey too. Because life keeps moving. It keeps moving. It keeps moving. And the circumstances keep changing. And sometimes my fellow friends or believers, that can just grab a hold of our heart and discourage us. And what God says to us is this. Listen, I know that everything changes but what I want you to understand is that there is no age or stage of life where I am not with you and though the world you live in is ever changing, the God that loves you is never changing. And that God is sovereign over change. And he knows where we are in it and where we're going in it and where he's taking us in it. He is sovereign over change. And he says, let me give you an example. He said, I've established my faithfulness in the heavens. I am not very scientific, I assure you. But I want you to notice something. Last night... You probably noticed it too. Around 6 o'clock or so, the sun went down. Now this is going to shock you, but this morning it came up. You wait another 10 or 12 hours, it's going back down again. Say, preacher, you are an amazing scientist to know that. No, but I'm telling you this, it's not by accident God put this earth spinning around this sun because God wanted to remind us of something, that he is sovereign Over change. He is the one that set the day. He is the one that sets the night. He is the one that determines the time of spring and then summer and then fall and then winter because God is sovereign over change. And though things do change, He doesn't, and He is in control of it all. And so we find ourselves in a difficult spot, and one of our thoughts is, oh no, Lord, oh no, it's all changing, it's all changing. And God says back to us, yes, but my compassions fail not. They're new every morning, and for every event, and for every circumstance, because great is my faithfulness. I'm going to sing one more time. I promise I won't sing after this. But I love how the songwriter put it. Listen to this. Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in the courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness. To thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Join with me. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto. Did you know that God knows where you are? Did you know that God knows what you're going through? And did you know that God knows where he's taking you and how to get you there? Get your eyes off the changing circumstances and back onto a never changing God who loves you and walks through this life with you. Quickly, here's number three. No human faithfulness can be compared to God's. Look at verse eight. O oh, Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about me, about thee? Well, there are faithful men and women I've been privileged to know and serve with all through the years. But you and I need to be very careful that we do not put our trust in men for the best man, the best woman can fail. But God will never fail us. He can be trusted in every circumstance. Now let me tell you what I know about churches. I know that there are people in this room who have been genuinely hurt by some other believer. Genuinely. And if we're not careful, we can allow what some other believer has done to us we can transfer that to the God who has never done anything but love us. I don't know about you, but I run into people all the time, preacher, who tell me they're not going to come to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, la-di-da, I'm one of them. You let a hypocrite keep you out of church, you're in trouble, amen? I, one of the things I do since I've retired from pastoring is when I'm in town and my wife goes to the grocery store I love going to the grocery store with her. She does not love it when I go. <laughs> but I love going and I my job is to push that cart and 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 we go to the only the best stores we go to Walmart and going to Walmart, I look forward to that moment. I'm a people person. When I go to Walmart there's somebody there in a blue. A vest with a yellow smiley face and their job is to make me feel good about being at Walmart. And they're supposed to greet me and say, welcome to Walmart. Well, several weeks ago, I was pushing the cart dutifully behind my wife, making sure I didn't hit her in the heels. And I walked in that door, I spotted her. She was there with a blue vest, a yellow smiley face. Our eyes made contact and she turned and walked away and did not greet me. I will never go back to Walmart. (laughs) Stinking hypocrite with a smiley face, didn't greet me. i am never, hey, I don't go to Walmart to feel good about me. I go because the peanut butter's cheaper. And I don't go to church because I need somebody to feel, make me feel good about me. I go to church because there is one to be worshipped who has never failed me. Get over it. And stop using the failure of some other believer to keep you and rob you from the privilege of worshipping the one who loves you. And has never failed you. Here's number four. God will be faithful to you. Look at verse 24. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him and in my name shall his horn be exalted. Now, that's a strange verse and it'll take a little bit of unpacking to understand. God made a promise to David, and God's promise to David was that one of his lineage, of his line, would sit in perpetuity on the throne in Jerusalem. But now the kingdom is shattered, and now it looks like everything is ending, and it's all going to be over. But what God is saying to David is, I don't make promises and have them not come true. And the truth is, this promise will be realized when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and sits for a thousand year reign in Jerusalem on the throne of David as the son of David. God keeps his promise promises. Well, you say, preacher, I can understand when I read in the Bible that if God says something to Moses, he's going to keep a promise to Moses. And if God says something to Joshua, he's going to keep a promise to Joshua or David or Paul or John or Peter. Name any name you want. Those Bible names, yeah, God's going to keep a promise to them because they're important people. Can I remind you of something? They were formed of the same dirt that you and I were formed out of. God had a plan for their life, and it was a plan that we read about in the Bible, but make no mistake about it, God has a plan for your life, God has a plan for my life, and God is as committed to us in fulfilling what he has for our lives as he is to any great Bible name that you can read. Stop using the excuse of being a nobody, because in God, we are not nobodies we are somebodys that he has a will and a plan for our life and he wants to work through us and every promise that he's made is for us and every promise for working through and with us is ours and we can do what God has charted out for us to do and there are things that you can do that I cannot do, things I can do you cannot do. Get busy claiming the promises of God. He will use you. Here's number five. Not only that, but your sin does not change God's faithfulness. Your sin does not change God's faithfulness. Look at verse 31. If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Did you know David failed many times in his life? We know his failure with Bathsheba, immorality, adultery, lying. We know his failure in the matter of Uriah, murder. We know his failure in numbering the people, a product of his pride because he wanted to know the size of his army and the extent of his kingdom. We know his failure in parenting because he did not do right in so many ways. We know his failure in taking... Preacher, you're kind of defaming David. No, I'm just telling you about David's life. And then you're going to turn around and call him the sweet singer of Israel and you're going to call him a man after God's own heart. That that just can't go together. Hey, be careful because you're a sinner too. You know what God is good at? God is good at convicting His people of their sin and their failures and restoring them to use. That man David, did he do those things? Yes. And God did exactly what he said. He would chastise him. He'd bring stripes to him. And he sent Nathan, that prophet, to that house. And you know what David did when he was confronted with his sin? He got it right. When he numbered the people, was there consequences? You bet. You know what he did? He got it right. He was a man like you and I are. And yes, sir, we blow it and some of us want to sit and stew in our failure and say oh I could never serve the Lord get over yourself and get right with God and he'll restore you sometimes we have the picture of God as a God up there with a thunderbolt and lightning just waiting for us to fail Oh, there's Ed. Oh, he's so close to failing. I hope he fails. I hope he fails. Boom! You know that is not who God is? You know the picture of God? He sees that son who took the blessing that he should have used for good and he took it down to the far country and he wasted it on riotous living. And when the money was gone and when the fun was gone, all those friends who had just seemed to love him so much deserted him. And he found himself working on a hog farm and eating what the hogs ate if there was anything else left. And I love how simple the Bible is. The Bible pictures that kid sitting in that hog pen and the Bible says he came to himself. He said, what? am I doing here? When my father is back there, what am I doing here? And he made a decision, and his decision was, I'm not staying in this hog pen. And he got up, and he started a journey back to his father. And listen, He did not know what his father's reaction would be. He didn't know if his father would have a doubled fist and punch him in the face. He didn't know if his father would say, you're not welcome back here. But oh man, what a shock and surprise it was when he got close to home, he saw his father and this is what he saw. His Father with arms wide open saying, let's work it out. Let's get it fixed. I had a man come to the altar one day and I was up on the platform and I saw him do this. And of course, I'll come down. I thought he wanted me to pray with him. And I got down there and he said, "Uh, Preacher, I shouldn't be here. I said, well, what do you mean you shouldn't be here? He said, oh, You've preached on that subject seven times over the last 10 years, 15 years. I've come to this altar seven times. Told God I wanted to get it right, I wanted to do different. And I leave this altar and I say I'm going to do different. And preacher, sometimes I make it a month or a day or a week and sometimes I make it a year. But here I am, I shouldn't be back here because now I've failed again and you've preached on it again and I'm convicted again, but I shouldn't be here. I said, let me tell you something. Remember what God told Peter? How many times should we forgive it? Well, seven times 70. Say, you got 492 left. No. I said, God's not trying to give us a count of 490. What God is saying is this. I know you're dust. But if you'll come, if you'll come and ask for your heart to be cleansed, if you'll come confessing, if you'll come wanting to be restored, I will restore you. I'm in churches all the time and I meet people all the time who justify their not serving the Lord because they failed before. Stop it. Stop it. God can use you. God can restore you. You can know the joy of your salvation. You can be used of the Lord. But you got to be honest with God. And you've got to confess what you did and what it brought to your life and ask God, will you restore me? And he will. One last thing and I'm done. You won't find this in this psalm but I want to share it with you. You know one other thing God still does because he's faithful? He's still faithful to call or to save those that call upon him. I gave my testimony in the in the Sunday School Hour, I won't re-give my testimony but it's so closely tied to Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My mother had taken a Bible and underlined that Bible verse in red ink. When I was under conviction because a soul winner had talked to me, I, I turned and saw that verse and, and man, I prayed such a deeply theological prayer. <laughs> well how much do you have to know that to be saved? Well, it, you have to know you're a sinner and you have to know that Christ loved sinners and died in your place. And there with my sofa as my altar, all by myself, 84:29, Flamingo Lane, Cincinnati, Ohio, 1975. I said, Lord, if you can save somebody like me, I'm calling on you. I know I need it. Will you save me? And not because I prayed a beautiful prayer. And not because I was worth saving. But because God is faithful. To do what he says he will do. God saved me. I went down, a sinner, came up, a saint. God changed my life. And I'm telling you, if you're here today, and there's never been a time in your life where under the convicting hand of the Holy Spirit you have understood that you are a sinner and by yourself you can't undo it, you can't make it better, you can't change it. There's nothing you can do, but you can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you died on the cross for sinners and I is one and if you can save somebody like me, I'm calling on you. Will you save me? And he will. Aren't you glad God is faithful? I'm so glad he is. And I get so upset with myself when I'm just a grumbler. <laughs> look at me. You say, yeah, preacher, we have to. No. What I'm saying is look at me and where, how God has changed my life. And now the privileges that I get to preach in places like this to meet people like you to share life and 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 life with who i do and and then I grumble because it rains I grumble because life doesn't quite go like I want it to and then I can't understand why nobody's attracted to my god well because you're a fusser that's why I go through things in life. Do you? Life changes. Things hurt. (laughs) and Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, woe is me. You know what my favorite song is? Here's my favorite song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) And yet God takes every life through all those stages of life and walks with us and cares for us and provides for us and our faith can rest on him. I'm not making light of the hard thing you're facing. I'm just reminding you you ain't there by yourself. And God knows Where you go tomorrow and God knows where he's taking you. And by the way, his thoughts for you are thoughts of peace and a perfect end. Hey, no man's faithfulness can be compared to God's. I know men fail. I know men have hurt you and I'm not making light of people in here who bear real hurts by what people have done to them. I know it but I'm telling you the answer is God because he will never hurt you. I know this, that he'll be faithful to you. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what education you got. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what he saved you out of. He loves you and he'll be faithful to you and to use you. And I don't care if you've failed him before, if you'll come to him. He'll forgive you and restore you and use you and you can become the source of blessing in somebody else's life. With this I end. Did you know there are hurting people in Elizabethton, Tennessee? Did you know that there are really hurting people in Bristol and Johnson City and all across here? You know what they need? They need somebody who knows the Lord and somebody who knows how to get through hurt because God is faithful. And you could become the source of blessing in their life if we stop focusing on our hurt, our problem, our desire, our life, and start focusing on our faithful God. Would you pray with me?